careful, Icarus. But father, I want to fly into the sun. If you fly into the sun, Icarus, your wings will melt and you'll die a horrible death involving gravity. Is that code, father? From the mouth breathers to the idiots, from TV to print, this is the Entitled Podcast Network, and this is Entitled Weekend. Well, you want a podcast and you got one. This is Entitled Weekend. We've got Bill, we've got Vinny Jace here. And for the last three weeks, we haven't had a pod, and for good reason, because <laughs> the team has just been absolutely horrendous and miserable. But here at the Entitled Podcast Network, we don't delve into negativity. We like to, and but if we are, I want to focus on solutions, focus on what's going on, but also talk about how do we, where do we go from here? Because it, it makes no sense to waste your breath talking about what's wrong and then figuring out, oh, we'll, we'll just leave it there and and watch the rest of it. No. Um, so Bill, uh, we're and by the way, we're doing this on Sunday night, right after the Raiders game. And I we were talking before the show and I said, you know, if we did a show on last week, if we did a show the week before, it would sound exactly like what I'm about to say now. <laughs> so I guess it makes sense to not have done a show because the exact same problems of the last three games have been pretty much consistent. Um, the offensive line is not very good. Uh, Matt Jones has, I would say, been diminished as far as that. And a lot of his decisions have not been good. The Run, the running backs, I mean, Zeke had a pretty decent game to the, this afternoon, but for the most part, Ramondre Stevenson has just been a shell of himself. Um, the defense has just taken injury after injury. I mean, the entire team has pretty much. Uh, Bill, I, I don't I don't know where we're going to start. Where do you attribute it to? What's your biggest I would say my biggest concern, but there are a lot of concerns. So where do you think it's gone wrong? Where, what, how, Why have the wheels fallen off so fast? Right. Uh, I would start with people last season, all of last season. We're talking about this team sucks. That team was a Hunter Henry touchdown that should have been in Minnesota or Ramondre Stevenson fumble against Cincinnati or a Jacoby Myers lateral in Oakland or in Las Vegas away from being in the playoffs. Any Jacoby of those Myers three... who Jacoby Myers, who said apparently today he's Randy Moss reincarnated, you know, right. So people, you know, people, are like, Oh, that sucks. No, no, no. I said to somebody earlier on, on X it's, you can clearly tell who was grown in the early nineties and saw some bad teams. You can clearly see who, who understands what bad football looks like. 
because last year there were they were they were not a disciplined team. They were not a smart team. I think Iron had talked about that frequently. Not a smart team, but they weren't a bad team. This this is a bad team, and that's it's not to be negative about. It. It's just you talk about where do you start? You start by looking ahead in many ways to 2024. You'd be naive to not look at the schedule and say they're one in five. Their next two are slated against Buffalo and Miami. And they shouldn't be favored in either of those games. They won't be favored in either of those games. And it would be a, it, I think all of us on the pod would agree, it's a, would be a large surprise for them to beat either of those teams, given how, the trajectory of both of those teams in comparison to where we're at. There are good things to take out of it. And we started this year by saying, this was the year you wanted to find out what you had on this roster so that you could utilize the cap space you have available next off season well and what you're looking at is may you know i still think you should extend kyle duggar i think kyle duggar is a hybrid you know hybrid difference maker but if somebody wanted to talk me into just you know utilizing peppers in that role peppers has been an impact hitter this year has been an impact hitter over the past two years with the paths so like i can be talked out of that if somebody thinks that the money should go elsewhere. Um, you know, I have trouble with some people that I thought were surefire resigns previously being like, I'm sure they're going to do that. And, and to me, that list starts with Michael Onwenu. It's hard to say a guy who didn't start the year healthy, then got hurt again on ankles and it's consistent ankle problems. For somebody who's a you know a heavy you know a heavy guy, offensive lineman or big you know big guys, we talk about making football thick again. That's ankle problems for those guys are real limiters for long-term success. I have concerns about that. The Pats obviously will have the medicals; they'll make that decision. But if you know, I'm not paying top of market for Michael Onwenu. If you're going to be looking to revamp that offensive line, so. I think when you're talking about what it, the, the issues at hand, what it's coming down to is you're seeing the worst version of each of the aspects of the team that you wanted to see steps forward from. It's bad for this year. It's good to know moving forward. I think I said to the group in the chat earlier this, you know, earlier this week or last week, if this is the Mac Jones we're going to see, then his Pro Bowl year a couple of years ago was detrimental to the franchise. Because it gave him such a much like it's a longer road because the following year, you're like, oh, well, it's got to be Patricia. So we're going to replace Patricia. And now we've got Bill O'Brien, who we know is, you know, and that's not to to take any blame away from Patricia, but it's saying, you know, you give you had the easy finger point there because he was a pro bowler the year before. And now we're seeing him with Bill O'Brien and he's making cross field throws. That's quarterback 101. That's day one stuff. You don't throw across the field. The th- overthrow of Henry today, that's quarterback 101. He was throwing across his body. He overthrew it because he sailed it trying to throw it too hard, throwing cross body. You can't do that stuff. He it, like that's just it, it's it's compounding the problems that you already have with an offensive line that has not played with I, I don't have they played with the same starting five in any game this year? I think the answer is no. If they have, it's not the starting five you want. The wide receivers, 
have not been, you know, Kendrick Bourne had a good game today. I think Kendrick Bourne has acquainted himself well. If you're going to ask me, like anybody who's a free agent after this year that we should consider bringing back on the wide receiver core, Kendrick Bourne would be up there for me. Um, But, you know, it's hard to say where do you begin with this because we haven't seen this in 20 three years for them to be four games under 500 we've you know it's they're they're making the plays that you look and we have talked about bad bad teams making for two decades and the last point i'll put out is this is not like oh they're taking a total 180 they're you know being critical this is you know good for the franchise in the long run to understand what they need and don't need the other piece of it is we've talked for a long time on this pod about the first month of the season telling you very little and the second month is when you start to tell the story. Well, let's look at the second month. Blowout, loss. Blowout, shutout, loss. And even though this game felt this game was closer, it it never felt like the Pats were winning the game. So like they've been almost non-competitive and I you know, I I would I, I should take almost off of it. They've been basically non-competitive in the month of October. That's that's telling. And it's telling about what you need to do this offseason. It's telling about how you get the team back on the right track. But, you know, the injuries also hurt. But I think there's a level of excuse to that that I don't want to, like, make it seem like it's absolving some responsibility there. They have a lot of talent. They could be making winning plays. And right now they're not. Vinny, you and I were talking earlier this week, and – See, and, and again, everyone wants to play the blame game and and do all of this to make, you know, every whenever something goes wrong, you, you got to blame somebody. You got to have somebody to point to. And the obvious, the laziest and obvious person to look at is Bill Belichick because he's the head coach, because he's also the GM. And so everyone, in, you know, he has, he's the meme of, you know, I don't know what that movie is, that Pixar movie where you know got all the knives surrounding him and oh no that's tangled that guy oh that tangled okay well i was close (laughs) pixar so but so he's the one that's in that picture but really and we'll talk about this a little bit later on it's I, i think people really need to look at what's going on around the league because first of all injuries are not an excuse but it just seems to me that injuries have been a real detriment to this season because all of these teams in the league are, I mean, even the undefeated teams who lost today, all both of them lost today. So I don't think there's really, maybe besides, I guess, the 49ers and I, maybe even the Lions at this point, who have really impressed me to say, okay, I think that's a team that could go far because all of these teams have just not looked good. And mainly I say it's because of the injuries. And Obviously, you contribute that to the CBA and, and the NFL Players Association, but and it, but let's go back to the question at hand, Vinny. Is we were talking uh, a couple of days ago about Robert Kraft. I'm worried about Robert Kraft because he talked to Jeff Howe um, a, a few days ago and. This guy, and it was said on the podcast on Entitled Town that he, he, you know, he doesn't know a microphone he didn't like. And he did it again. Jeff Howell talked to him, saying that he's 
frustrated, downright angry with success. And okay, that's fine. But then he's talking to, then Howell's alluding to Bill Belichick being at the root of the team's issues and that Kraft wouldn't shy away from change. Okay, what the hell does that mean, first of all? But I tweeted out, controversial, I don't know if this is controversial or not. I tweeted out that if Kraft ever decided to throw Bill Belichick out with the bathwater, that would that would that would ruin it as a fan for me. That would that would that would almost end me because I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think Kraft wants that to happen, but I'm not I'm I have he has me worried because he is who he is. What do you think about that? I I think it would be pretty disloyal. It would be the dumbest decision ever to fire Bill Belichick. And I think the people who hate Bill Belichick the most and the 28-year-old clinging on to Don Sula's record because it's the last thing he hasn't done or that he could do. It's like, you don't want Bill Belichick to be fired from the Patriots because he'll just go to the Chargers and he'll break all those records uh, that, you, that you suddenly care about. But it's also very disloyal because nobody talks about how after Brady walked out, Belichick could have walked out too. He could have said, I'm gone. All right, I'm going to go coach the Giants. I always wanted that job. I'll see you later. And he didn't. He took, he he did the honorable thing. He stayed with the franchise after Brady left. And he guided them through these years. And I how is that how you're going to repay him? After one horrible year out of 25. See you by out the door. That's not how do you even like rationalize that other than he wants to, as uh, you know, the last podcast said, he wants to sit at the cool owner's table with Terry Pagulia and Jerry Jones. He wants uh, the media to, you know, he wants to placate the Felgers and the Maseratis and the um, Bedards of the world. It, you know, it, it would destroy the team. And, and I think you would, he, I think it would even hurt the haters too, because the only reason they care about the Patriots is because he triggers them. Belichick is here. He triggers them. Is Bill O'Brien going to trigger them? Is Ken Dorsey going to trigger them? Is Jim Harbaugh going to trigger them the same way? Probably not. All these people are like, I'm a Patriots fan. I demand excellence. And when they're like one and four next year with somebody else, you're going to be like, oh, okay. I'm going to move on. It, it's it's like the Red Sox. Well, they stink. Well, they're not trying. Okay. I don't care anymore. I'm done. And uh, I don't know. Uh, my point is, don't don't fire Belichick for the love of all that's holy. <laughs> you know how horrible that would be. <laughs> he gets swooped up in five minutes. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. Bill, Bill, what do you think about all of that that story and all of that noise? I mean, I I think that it's one of those situations where we have one half of a story. And there's a lot of pieces that can be at play. First off, if anybody thinks that Robert Kraft is still making the the day-to-day decisions for the New England Patriots, you're crazy. It's like Jonathan is the person making those decisions. It's it's well past that time. And anybody who has a lens in should be very clear on that. Like they let him Mayor Magoo his way around, which is fine. He can he can do that. Like that's you know you're the ha- you're, you're Mayor McCheese. You're waving for the cameras. Like you, 
That's why he wants to sit at the cool <laughs> owner's table because he's Mayor McCheese, and that's fine. Listen, I hope that I get to Mayor McCheese my way around life at you know his age. Like that would be wonderful for me. But the second piece of it is people are asking half the question. It's not, oh, you know, will you fire Bill Belichick? The other half of that question is really a two-parter to Bill Belichick. One, hey, Bill, at 72, 73 years old, do you want to go through a rebuild? Oh, yeah. And the second part of that question is, do you, as the football expert, still feel you are the right guy to lead that rebuild? Because Bill will tell you if he doesn't feel that way. And I think those are both questions that will be discussed this offseason. If Bill Belichick is not back as the head coach of the Patriots, I think it is 1,000% a mutual decision or a decision that Bill makes. And the Mm. reason – but – but that still allows Kraft to, you know, it's already a little bit of the the easing of that in the media because who gives any who gives it the least craps about the media in the history of the NFL? It's Bill Belichick. Who needs to continue to give a crap about the media? The Patriots ownership. And so if they're going to go out there and save face, and Bill might be even okay with that. It's just the like that might be the price of doing business, but there is you know we're we're asking one question when the truth is there should be about five different questions asked, and any good reporter worth their salt should be asking more than just Robert Kraft about the future of Bill Belichick as Patriots head coach, because there's a different person making that decision in reality, and then there's the actual human being who could choose to retire who could say that he doesn't feel like he's the right person to do it, or he's not retiring but doesn't have the stomach for a rebuild, and he's going to go off and he's going to coach one of these teams that's in a closer position to go out there and try to win that is feeling like they just don't have the juice with the coach right now. Any of that could happen. And so I'm not here saying, like, I am staking my, you know, I'm putting my flag down. Bill Belichick is coach of the head, uh, head coach of the Patriots next year. But I'm going to say – there's discussion that's going to happen, and if it is not the case, it's going to be a mutual decision, or and they they will have a discussion about what exactly what that looks like to respect everybody that's involved in that situation. I you're think... right, Vinny. Well, well, Vinny, let me say this first because I think you're 100 right, Bill. But I'll say this: if it will, it will be a shocker if there's a story that comes out that says that Bill Belichick was not aware of his employment or lack thereof because because then then it, it would be it would be an upset of epic proportions and again that, that would that would be a that would that would turn me left and I would I don't want to do that but and I don't think that's going to happen because yeah I think he would regret that too because yeah throwing out you can't throw 23 24 years of you know Everyone's saying, and again, I, what I find funny is about these Brady rump swabs who all defected, all of you idiots deflected to Tampa Bay for three years. You got your Super Bowl. You, you laughed at, ha, 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 Bill Belichick, ha, ha, you suck. And the, the other two seasons, you got, in the play, you got in the playoffs and didn't do much. So, you know, that that that's, you know, and now uh, the Bucks are, they're pretty much keeping their heads above water with freaking Baker Mayfield. So to me, I feel as though, again, this is a Bill Belichick thing with a lot of these people. 
and we'll again we'll get to it with, with the media and i think that if if something were to happen and if he wasn't aware of it that would be that would be an upset of epic proportions so so go ahead Vinny. you go ahead and, finish and say what you think i think all of you are making fair points i do kind of think that uh, maybe i'm wrong and then the this guy Belichick, who I basically just defer to all the time and say, you know, hey, you made that decision. All right. You know, you, you know what you're doing. And maybe I'm wrong about him, but it, it would strike me as if, if Bill went to Robert. And I know Robert Kraft isn't calling the shots anymore. It's probably Jonathan or it is Jonathan. If Bill went to one of the crafts and said, you know what? I don't think I'm the man for this. I, I would kind of be shocked that Bill just gave up on the thing. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you know, that doesn't really strike me as a Belichick move to quit because he could have quit after 2019. Like I said, he could have gone and left for another job or he could have left sooner. If I, I don't know if I, I don't think Bill wants to retire at this age because I think from a psychological standpoint, I don't know the guy, obviously. Football is a love for him, and I don't think he wants to do anything else. And I think he wants to keep coaching. And I think he'd rather, I hope he'd rather stay in New England because that's the place that, you know, he has the most history with. And if Kraft is willing to be loyal to him, then I think, in that case, now I'll turn it into Kraft's favor. I think Belichick owes him that loyalty to see this through, if that's understandable. You know, if I'm if I'm crossing a line, let me know. I'm just like it's the loyalty that bothers me. Yeah, I don't think it's a. I, I don't think that it's quitting or a lack of loyalty. If he's you know seventy two, seventy three years old and decides it's time, um, fifteen years ago, ten years ago, he was talking about how he was not going to coach into his seventies. He said he didn't want to be that guy. And so he's changed. Like we've seen him change his mind on that, on, on that exact point before. Um, I, what I think about is I've been, uh, you know, doing, I was doing a walk with my wife recently and we talked a little bit about um, Bill Belichick and I was sort of like, I sort of want him to be able to enjoy his hall of fame induction. I want him to be in the right mind space for that. I want him to like, you know, have the opportunity if he wants to write a book about his life in football, I want him to be able to do that and like have the mental faculty to be able to do so. How, you know, no day is certain, but you know, as you get older, days become less certain. Um, And so, you know, I just worry that right now, if he retires after this season, he's like 77, 78 before he's inducted into the pro football hall of fame. And I want him to be able to stand up there and give the speech he wants to give, you know, right. If he wants to write a book as a love letter to football, like who would like people that hate him would eat that book up with a spoon. Everyone would want to read that book. And I don't like, I I don't think there's a single person who wouldn't. Um, And like, what a, what a wonderful resource that would be to sort of understand the football life of somebody who's done what he's done. So I'm not saying that he's going to do it, because he he's also earned the right to coach as long as he wants to coach and you know to do what do it the way he wants to do it if 
it's, you know, I hope he wants to, you know, still be, you know, a coach and still coach the Pats and that he feels that he's like the right person for that. But I think those are fair questions at this stage in the game to ask him, because I don't think that it's the guarantee on his end that that it's that he's feeling like he wants to come back for 2024. Like that's yeah. the, it's a fair question to ask Shaq. I, I know we've been doing a, a lot of the chat in here, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, what I find hilarious is that in all these, you know, oh, Belichick is old, Belichick is senile and nobody talks about craft in that same manner, or at least I don't hear that being talked about. And I would say of those who have, their faculties together, I would say Bill Belichick far and away has those and at his advanced age. So as as far as that is concerned, I'm not, I'm not, and you're right. I'm wondering who, who will be that person to ask him that question though, Bill, because these media people, are, they're, they're concerned about, they're, they have tunnel vision. All they really care about is what, about the game and what's going on. But are they really going to ask them that, ask him that question? Or are they probably thoughtful? No, they're no, not. No, no, probably not. Oh. Maybe a, maybe a Reese, maybe a How, but How would need to sit down. He's national now, so that's a little harder. And Reese, I, I just don't know. Even if he told Reese, I don't know that Reese would print it. I I just it, don't. I I think there's been a long term, long standing relationship there where he's respected some privacy, and I do wonder if Reese would just not report on something of that nature. Would you think less of Belichick if he gave the scoop that he was retiring to Greg Bedard? Would you think less of him? He would never do that. So I, I know. I know I'm, that. Joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. Listen, if you ever wanted, it, if you ever wanted me to start questioning Bill Belichick's decision making, that would be the decision. <laughs> yeah. that, I always like like Greg. That's that, that's Mike that's where, was doing the interview. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's where I start to wonder about his mental faculties. If he were to hand the scoop to Greg Bedard <laughs> that, or funniest? Ben Bolin, either of those two, I'm like, oh. The funniest person, like uh, Dan Rather still is on Twitter. We could give it to Dan Rather. <laughs> that would be fitting. Uh, I, I, want, I, I wonder if he would give it to some young upstart. If he were to oh, ever okay. do that, I wonder if he would give it to some young reporter who he respected. Give them the scoop that gives them a break. I, I, when you think about the way Belichick gives back without people knowing, when you think about like, you hear countless examples of him donating to charity and donating his time and all of this. And it's like that it like, again, people think the hoodie and they think, you know, Darth Belichick. And it's this, I, I could 100% see him say, this is somebody who's been doing it right. They're a newer person on the, on the beat. That's the person well, I'm going to let break the story. It, it is rich to hear people say now, like, he, he isn't a bad person. Like, as far as ogres and evil people in the NFL goes, Belichick is, well, what's the word? He's better than those people. He's not, he pales in comparison to the others, you know. And And I think, like, I always go back to when people talk about the coaching truth. And it's like, oh, he, they're a bunch of uh, the, the Belichick disciples are a bunch of idiots. Belichick just did everything. And like, funnily enough, that's supposed to make Belichick look stupid that he was able to do 500 things at once. But I think that's also protection because I feel like 
that's what other coaches did with their assistants. Like, I don't want you to know too much because then I have to get another guy to do this heavy work. And you're good at this heavy work, you know, don't get too good at a job or else they'll keep you there. And, uh, you know, forever. And I think that's like what a lot of coaches do. And Belichick at least gives coaches the know-how to it. Like, oh, I could coach a team for a few years. I could do that, you know. And, um, you know, they do padding where they write uh, other, where they diagram other teams' plays by, like, paper. It's this horrible exercise that ruins people's, like, cycle. I wouldn't be able to do it. And, like, no other team does that. And I think Belichick does that not because he's a horrible person. He does that, like, I want you to be prepared for your job. And also, down the road, you'll get a job. And you get to coach. And how does it reflect bad on Bill when those guys fizzle out, they come back to Foxborough, that he doesn't, like, do them a solid? And it's like, well, I have a professional relationship with this guy, and I'm going to bring him back in, like, you know, uh, there's no young upstart. I need a professional relationship to make this machine work, you know. But I, I'll yield the floor now. I'm sorry. It, nothing to apologize for. You're spot on. It's There's this this cycle of assuming the worst of Bill Belichick. That's always yeah. been. And, you know, and, you know, I don't want to – I shouldn't say always been. Certainly since Spygate, um, you know, and it's – Somehow he's, you know, it's, oh, stole playbooks. Well, did you throw away playbooks and leave them in an unattended area? Because, you know, I've seen players that saw a play a play call sheet fly out of somebody's wristband, pick it up and bring it to their sideline. Like, everyone's everyone's looking for an edge. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's just this never-ending cycle of negativity around him. And that's what I'm talking about with, you know, the, like when I say I've been talking a lot about broken clocks, people that have been saying Belichick is terrible. The Patriots are cooked for 12 years, you know, but like during, you know, and, and not just the Trent Dilford, they're not that good anymore from my, what was that was 2014 before that there was, oh, I don't think the Patriots are ever going to win another Super Bowl. I, I think, you know, to, and it was Tom Brady isn't as good as people say, you know, it was Brady and Belichick at that point. And now, you know, it's it's just they've been making these same reports of like, this is the year we're changing of the guard that for for 15 years. And we're finally getting to the point where like, yeah, by nature and by the law of averages, they were eventually going to have a bad year. And this, my friends, is a bad year. And now we're going to see, you know, and Shaq, I know I'm, I'm probably jumping us to the next topic, but <laughs> it's, you know, we've got the media rolling around like, like pigs and shit, being like, oh, what a joyous day this is. Oh, but yeah. So after, I want to talk about that right after this, because Bill, you brought it up. Um, and I, I talked about it earlier that there's still, even in this ridiculously, terrible year start to the year there are still positives that have come out of these games and let's talk about a few of them because the last three weeks we haven't really um and some of these guys we predicted already before the season started like uh before he got injured uh, christian gonzalez was looking like an all pro corner i mean rookie of the year uh, defensive rookie of the year and he was looking like that it was it was he was 
shutting down these top flight receivers, you know, Tyreek Hill, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then you had uh, Keon White, Christian Barmore, uh, Pop Douglas, guys like that who, you know, they, they've really, in this season, you know, all of these names have been clouded because either they've gotten hurt or, you know, people seem to forget why. And I, I think that there's still some things to people and some guys that you can work with um, even if, you know, Mac Jones isn't as capable as he, we thought he was, or if the offensive line is, you know, but five turnstiles, you know, you still have guys there to work with. So Bill, what do you think about some of the guys that we've seen who have, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to look at, it's hard to look at others, but there's, there were the four that you named that I think that are pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to be like, oh, how positive, <laughs> how positive can you be about this team that got blown out in the last two weeks by this? But like, I, you know, I hate, I hate when you're like just purely points per game. The offense has put the defense in some really bad positions. I think you've got to look at the depth of that defense as a real strength. Um, if you're feeling good about any position entering 2024, it's got to be the cornerbacks. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have Christian Gonzalez, John Jones, Jack Jones, J.C. Jackson, that's that's a good four. J.C. Jackson, who by the way you got for basically free, <laughs> you got him off yeah. the street. And you know, regardless of what you think of of today, he looked good. He looked like very similar to the guy that we had that people wanted us to sign to the mega deal before he left. That now we've got on, you know, sort of pennies this year and then a reasonable cornerback contract for three more years, provided that they want to keep moving forward with them on, on the roster. But th like that's a, you know, that's a really nice piece. And Gonzalez could very well be the best of the four of them already. Like you've got he was covering Hill. He was covering Waddle at points. He was covering Devonta Smith at points. He was covering A.J. Brown. He was he had tough matchups throughout leading up to his injury, and he equated himself quite well. I was really, really impressed with him. White is just like mean energy on that defensive line. He and like, let's not forget Christian Barmore. Christian Barmore was a monster today. And it's going to go so under the radar because people are going to go, well, they didn't get pressure. They didn't get... He was doing a lot, and this is not me saying he's the same player. He was doing a lot of things that would make Vince Wolfork smile. He was an elite interior defensive lineman really the last couple of games and has been trending that way for the last several, you know, for he has been trending that, that way most of this year, which is why it's so disappointing the injuries around him. Uche, Judon, Godchild missed some time. Like it's, there's just so many, so much injury going on there that it's hard. Um, but like, let's not sleep on him. Uh, Pop Doug Douglas, you know, as much as I hate agreeing with the, you know, the people on, on Twitter, I think that there's a good point that he should see the field more once he's healthy. He, he gets this, he gets open. He makes himself available to Mac. Um, and Mac seems to have good rapport with them. We're like, they're, they're in tune where there's some times where it looks like they might, he might not be in tune with some of the other receivers. So when you look at that and you look at how many people are under contract next year, 
there's a fair expectation that a lot of the defense can come back and play really well. Uh, and that there are some offensive people that are worth, you know, maintaining that rapport with keeping around, et cetera. So, you know, Vinny, Shaq, what do you think? Uh, no, I think you're spot on. And there's like, I think like we lost a lot of great defensive players this year where I think it's safe to assume the cornerback position is just decimated at this point because the litany of injuries we've been plagued with. And I think the defense has held firm in the only times um, other teams have gotten one on us is if we gifted them a sort field um, in the Dallas game where we were run out the building. I think they only gave up two off two offensive touchdowns to Dallas. I, I, I think they, they didn't even give up a, a, a majority of the bleeding and everybody on that defensive team could just come back and will probably be just as good. And it gives me this idea that like, in a post-Belichick world, if the Patriots do get the health they need and they get the little offensive line they need, and they're being a little better and everyone's going to heap praise off this new coach, uh, everyone's going to say, oh, that Christian Gonzalez is going to make an all-pro. I wonder who drafted that guy. And, you know, oh, that Jabril Peppers guy was great. I wonder who found him. You know, it's like the pieces are here for a very good defense. It's just not, you know, it's not being complemented by a good offense. And Injuries in the NFL are extremely common and they're not the best excuse to make. But I think the comparison I have for this team is the 2022 Giants where they were seven and two. And that was off of solid, respectable, no mistakes play by Daniel Jones, uh, hand the ball to Saquon Barkley, be responsible, give it to your defense. And as time went on, they lost a lot of that defensive depth that got them to seven and two. And then they finished nine, seven and one. And then, you know, they're just not the same team. And that's probably what happened to the Patriots is they're just, they just lost way too much to expect them. Like, you know, I, I, every, every quarterback is due for a moment and one or two good plays. I, I and Jonathan Jones is really good. He shouldn't allowed that long throw that Hoyer completed. But I like to think if the Patriots had Gonzalez and had Jack Jones and Marcus Jones, that maybe he wouldn't have Hoyer wouldn't have got that long completion. And you know maybe we're talking about a win as opposed to you know a one in five start. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It's, it's I guess next year we're going to learn a lot about. If Belichick does stick around, and I pray he does, I, I understand it's not right to want a bull rush smack out the door, but I, I would like a quarterback that can give up on a play. And if he, because he missed Hunter Henry on that throw. he Hunter Henry was open. There was a window. It closed when Mac realized it, I think. And he sort of realized it was over and throw the ball away. Instead, he tried to force it. And if he doesn't do that, the Patriots probably win because they kick a field goal. And I think we just need a quarterback that can quit on those plays. Just just 
quit or like okay i understand you're not going to make the reads in time because you're not brady you're not human you're human but you know i, I was thinking like man I, I would kill for the kobe Brissett reunion right now i would kill for that i would you know what's uh, uh what's gardner Minsu up to nowadays and you know uh i don't know it's it's tough man and ramondre is not uh he, he looks like a different person now he looks all out of sorts. He was everything for us on offense. And now he's he's nothing. And Ezekiel Elliott is not lost. He looks better than what he was last year. It's just we're not allowed to optimize him anymore because of the limitations. And I was and I know I keep going on, but I promise you I have a point. Juju Smith Suster, I was so excited for, but everyone is talking about like how he's been terrible. And yes, he has. He hasn't uh, hey, he got he didn't play because he got concussed. His knee didn't explode. So I wouldn't take a victory lap yet. But people talk about what if Jacoby Myers was here and it's like if Jacoby Myers was here he would have this the similar statistical output of most of the players we have right now and we would be crying about the contract we'd be crying about how much we paid him and it wouldn't matter because this offensive line is incapable of giving us time to assess these wide receivers and I think we can assess Mac because he's lost his head in 2022, he had all the excuses in the world if he wanted to to play this recklessly, and he didn't do it. He played responsible. He played within himself, and I don't think I can point to him and say you lost us this game. The Bears game, I can blame him for, but they they took him out immediately. And he sort of never played. Every other game, it's like no, he he did what he had to do. This is. This is really like I, I, we probably need to figure out what we need to do here and just get another guy in because maybe he's not the guy and that's fine. Hey, and and, and one last thing and then I'll hand the baton over to you, Bill, or, or Zach, whoever is next, is that a lot of ballyhoo is made out of, oh, Belichick did so awful building around Mac Jones and those are the same people who say Mac wasn't good to begin with. And so why are you mad that he didn't build around a quarterback that you say is unathletic and slow and wouldn't Belichick deserve any credit for getting Mac this far at least like hey he got him to a playoffs he got almost got to another one and you know that idiot we made fun of uh coaching who coached defense and had to coach Mac uh probably knew had a better idea of who Mac was than the offensive coordinator everybody wanted uh, to be here, you know, he probably had a better idea of what Mac Mac's weaknesses and strengths were than Bill O'Brien did. And I do kind of uh, uh, worry about, you know, maybe maybe just everything about this was wrong. I don't know. It's but going back uh, going back to what yeah uh, yeah you got it you got it yeah I do thank you <laughs> no but going back to what I wanted to say about the positive things is and the reason why you know. Other, other fans, I don't know what they're doing. They're mad. They're angry. Oh, this team sucks. Because number one, like you said, Bill, they don't know how to handle this because the Patriots have been nothing but good for 20 plus years. So they don't know really how to handle this. They want, if they're going to lose, they're going to, then you're going to tank. That, that, that's, it's, it's, there's no gray area. Either you lose all your games or, you know, I guess go one in 16, I guess this is what these fans want. Or, you win everything. It's no middle ground. And for me, number one, what I go back to and what makes me, 
it makes me, you know, shrug and go, and, you know, if you know, like people are going to be like, oh, you should be angry. Well, you should be mad. You should be calling for his head. Like, first of all, I don't care. And second of all, if you look around the league, and again, this is what most people don't do. They don't look around the league. It just seems like it's a watered down version of the game. Most of the big market teams are not very good. You know, Jets, Giants, Bears, Rams, Pats, you know, all these teams, not very good. You know, a few of the top quarterbacks are out, got Rodgers, and or either they're not playing to their reputation. And again, that's manufactured reputation from the media. But, you know, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, all these guys are not living up to their quote-unquote potential. So that makes the league seem very uh, not, you know, mediocre, mid, as the kids say. And then the league is missing these guys, you know, Big Ben, Brady, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, you know, all these guys who, you know, they were appointment television to watch. So, and and again, and, and, and back to, and, and again, the injuries also. So I think that's how I take this, how I choose to accept this season is that the league as a whole is not very good. So the play is not, you know, up to a standard of the NFL play. I would say college football is a lot more, you know, I would say that they have their their shit together and the NFL really doesn't. And so to me, that's where, where I'm going about this entire season and my, how I feel about these games. And, and so everybody's reacting and everybody's going crazy, but I don't really care about it because it's just, you know, again, we we as a fan base have seen six championships and teams and the bills are begging for one still even after all all the division success so to me it's like uh, this season is whatever to me it doesn't it, it's like it's it's a water under the bridge for me it, it it's it, like it's the do like it's the scenario that people last year were acting like eight, nine was one in 15, you know, eight, nine was a one in five start. And that's, you know, it's people are, you know, it's, I don't blame them necessarily, but it should remind people that you've had a long stretch of time for many people, their entire lives from birth to legal drinking age of being able to just roll up and say the Patriots will be a good football team. And it made people forget, like the Brady-Belichick era broke the concept of parity in the NFL. What you're seeing is real parity at this stage in the game. I mean, you're seeing like, yeah, the Pat, like the Pats are a bad team this year, but you're also seeing the Jets just beat the Eagles. The Browns with their backup quarterback just beat the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Like this is a year where you're seeing par- like what the league wanted the free agency world to be is now coming into play. The last thing I want to say before we pivot to the media side of the shack is just looking ahead to 2024 and looking at like the big thing is quarterback. The free agent quarterback market is not good. That's not where you're finding your solution here. And they're not a team where they're not a team that is in a position where they should be paying big dollars to a quarterback 
because honestly, right now, I think we can all agree they're not just a quarterback away. So you need to put the money into other positions so that you can develop the quarterback. So I think that you very much have to either identify a quarterback on this roster that you feel comfortable rolling out next season. And I think we're all in agreement that doesn't sound like Mac at this stage in the game. And if that, barring that, you have to be prepared to draft your quarterback. So if Patriots fans are ever going to be paying attention to college football, this is the year to pay attention to college football because your starting quarterback next year could very likely be out on the fields on Saturdays right now. And you've got to, you want to look at like who you want, make your informed decision because it's going to be that spot that like the bills were in for, for 15 to 18 years where they were drafting a guy and thinking it was the guy every time, you know, that like, this is a hard thing to do, but keep, you know, keep going in. And if you, you know, if the Pats are going to be one of the bottom few teams in the league this year, they're going to have a pick where they're in the position to do that. Or they're going to tell you they're not going to be competitive in that next year, or they're not expecting to be, and they're going to draft like best available player to help restock and rebuild that roster. So, you know, it's just, this is what, this is what people were acting like when it was eight and nine last year. And that's why podcasts like ours exist because it's entitled weekend and people were entitled at eight and nine acting like it was one in 15 or one in five start. And here we are, we're at one in five and you can't bottom out worse from where you went last year, acting like that was the worst team you've ever seen. I saw, I saw bad Patriots teams. A lot of us that are on the pod have let's now, now you've seen bad. That's level set. I I predate this. I was what twenty five. I'm twenty six, so I I predate sadly the, the the Dick McPherson years. But it's hard because people just say, "Oh, bottom out." If you don't have the quarterback, bottom out. I was like, "Well, do you know how easy it is to randomly win a football game?" Just oh, I woke up today and we won, and now we're three and thirteen, and we don't get the quarterback we wanted. And even if you do get the quarterback you want, like the Jaguars have the quarterback. They have Trevor Lawrence and he's good. He's fine. It's just they're not doing right by him. They're there. It's 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 very helter skelter and it's kind of a mess and it's not a guarantee. And, you know, football is not like basketball where you can kind of tank and get a clear vision. It is a uh, it's a it's a me- very messy game uh where you don't really know until you're there you know at the end of the year what you can take away and if like the eagles in 2017 there was nothing you could say that said they meticulously planned this uh to to the to the end you know it's like well uh you know nobody liked carson wentz going into 2017 and carson wentz became an mvp candidate then he gets hurt and all of a sudden nick Foles wins you a super bowl and then all of a sudden, then Carson Wentz is no good no more, and then Nick Foles is gone, and it's like there's no grand plan. Things just happen. But I think like you know, I'm kind of up. I'm looking at like football being more of a college game now, and I do wonder if maybe we'll have a scheme change 
uh, next year if Bill is lucky, if not if we're lucky enough to still have Bill, because it is becoming more high up tempo and uh, it's becoming faster and more big yardage plays. I do wonder if next year warrants a scheme change. And I was wondering, like, if our answer at under center for who's going to be the quarterback in 2025, but 2024 is not going to be a draft pick. Like, let's just say it's not Caleb Williams or Drake Mahan. I was wondering, Bill or Sack, what do you think of at least looking at a free agent like Takobi Brissett or Gardner Minsu to at least be here for one year and like, let's try to fix this offensive line and let's try to go nine and eight, 10 and seven with them. Reasonable. Um, just looking at those free agents though, um, obviously the high price one is going to be Kirk Cousins, who's also going to be age 35. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's Tannehill, who I don't want any part of, Jacoby Brissett, no. Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, and then you're getting into like Drew Locke, Sam Darnold at that point. So I, I like I don't dislike that concept. I think it's really about who, you know, who falls into your lap in the draft. Where do you fall? Because right now, like, you know. It's real. Like I think how the Chicago Bears feel about Justin Fields is going to tell you a lot about what what quarterbacks are going to be available for the Pats, um, because it's very likely that the Chicago Bears are going to end up with a first, you know, a like one. They're going to end up with both of them. The <laughs> they could get both of them. <laughs> they could, especially with Fields going down today. Yeah. But other piece of that is. You know, how do y'all feel about Justin Fields? Not good. But there's, I I just, I think that, you know, it's it's that whole thing. Are they going to take best available player or are they going to fall in love with a quarterback in the draft? And that's, that'll tell you what they're going to do there. Because somebody's going to have to be under center. And I don't think that person's on this roster. Mm-mm. Like, you know, hand hand the keys over to Will Greer and see what you got at some point. You know, Bailey Zappi has had an opportunity and is not the guy. They, Malik Cunningham, I like his athleticism. You could certainly give him a a larger look, but I mean, the limited snaps today were not exactly inspiring. Um, But still need to see more because that's somebody you can't blame when you know nobody blocked on the play where he held the ball back. And it, it just four Raiders surrounded him. So it's, you know, you, you got you, you to gotta give some grace there. But like right now, if somebody asked me, you know, you have to make the decision today as the starting quarterback for the Pats on their roster. And this right now, no, no, next year, not, I don't, I, I don't think with any confidence, um, but let's not derail too much. Shaq, I know you wanted to jump to the, uh, our, our, our wonderful friends in the media as Jim Nance would say. Yeah. Hello friends. You're about to lose your jobs. And I don't <laughs> think they realize that yet because it, it's really, it's really funny. I, I, the last three, two weeks I've seen, you know, so many stories. I mean, we don't have time to get through all of them, but the, it's the usual suspects. And it's also a few people that you wouldn't expect, but again, we don't have time to list them all, but it's just, the fact that they they're all ready for Belichick to leave. They're all 
ready for the whole thing to blow up. And again, if he leaves, you're losing your job. Like the what I, I said, I said, and um, I was talking to our buddy Sal, and I said the train is coming, and they don't realize it. It's coming right for them. They're standing right in the middle of the railway, and it's going to hit them, and they're not going to know. It, it, I, I just, I just, that is what's also giving me, you know, it's giving, it's making my heart grow three sizes too big, like the Grinch, because it, if, if it does happen, and if Belichick does leave, they're all going to be irrelevant. Nobody's going to want to pay attention. Nobody's going to want to pay any attention to them. So to me, I say continue, continue exposing yourselves as, you know, the, the, the losers that you are, because you are losers. And, also, what I find interesting about Bill, Bill Belichick, and again, it's the usual, it's the usual tropes of oh, Belichick without Brady's not good. Belichick without Lawrence Taylor is not good. Which I mean, these these fantasy games are so hilarious to me because nobody talks about Joe Gibbs, nobody talks about Andy Reid, nobody talks about all these guys, but it's always Bill Belichick. So, Bill. I, I find it hilarious. What about you? I, I think it's it's exposing, the, it, especially, you know, the guys like Midget Andy Hart and, you know, all these guys who, again, they don't realize it. It's coming for them. Well, I, I think what you have, I mean, it's a simple business proposition when you look at it. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is if the Patriots are not the absolute wagon they were for 20 years, which nobody can expect them to ever be again because that's an unprecedented amount of success in the league. The idea that you're going to be able to facilitate having two radio stations that do this sports talk is, and do it the same way is just foolishness. So they're, they're celebrating what, what will end up turning one of them into a radio station that no longer covers sports. And then it's going to become the game. And they think like, oh, if, you know, especially the 98.5 crew are going to think, oh, well, we're safe because we're the ones ahead in the ratings. Their station might be safe. But if you think that, you know, uh, the winner is not going to poach the talent they like from the other and get rid of the talent that they feel they could upgrade on their own station, you're crazy. So it's, you know, it's really like, are they rooting to spin country discs? Are they rooting to, you know, it's, and gleefully so. Gleefully so. Greg Bedard posting the, you know, Wikipedia edit that said, you know, oh, Malik Cunningham is the best player on the Patriots and just putting LOL. Like, that, that that's being... Nice, like, nice context. It, it's, that's just being a shitlord. Is what it is. It's just like you're shit just posting. doing that to, yeah, you're shit posting to be a troll, which I believe was against the whole charter of his, like, you know, douchebag website. But let's not, I there. will not be, there will be no trolls. That's what, that's what his uh, mission statement was. Yeah. I will not be a troll. I, I will not be a troll except when I lol at, you know, Wikipedia posts that somebody sends me because I, I, I like my 12 friends that have bought lifetime subscriptions to my, you know, underground basement website it's it's pathetic and you know again bedard what why are you laughing once the patriots are not you know a, a national news story week to week 
your site is not as going to be as profitable. Your site will diminish in interest. Why as, you cherish as, as 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 much as it is already. <laughs> yes, the, the you know it reminds me of a league of their own when the when uh, Jimmy Dugan says dozens of people are waiting for the game to begin. <laughs> dozens of people are waiting for Greg Bedard's next take. It, it it's amazing that like Bedard who spent his career on the 98.5, you know, dancing for Felger thought he could have his own venture when the only reason he thought he could have his own venture is because the Patriots were this dominant figure, this dominant, you know, uh, uh, you know, media uh, lightning rod for 20 years, you know, and, and I think like a lot of the famous media people we can name in this town we can just pinpoint to who they covered you know bob ryan covered the celtics peter gammons the red sox dan sonnesy the 86 year drought with the red sox and he pivoted to the patriots it's one you know racket after another and i think we're entering a period where yeah the celtics are good but i think there's not a lot of rackets anymore for these media people to really glom onto and like the arrogance Bedard had of like, oh, I'm gonna just make my own sports journal, and now he's hemorrhaging money and and and, and readership. What what's gonna happen to you? You're gonna go back to ninety eight point five. You're gonna go to Hot Takes Boston. You're gonna lose everything. And when does the Boston Globe wake up and say, oh, just like the New York Times, we don't need to cover this. We don't need sports. It, it it's well, it's a it's a joke. Yeah, well, no, once it, once it happens, because he's going to say, I don't give two fucks about the people that I employ, he'll just spend more time on 98.5, and it'll go from, you know, Fat Fuck Friday or whatever his, you know, special is on 98.5 to, you know, <laughs> Massive Man Monday and, you know, Titan Tits Tuesday, you know, and just every day of the week will be some <laughs> other, you know, reference to how he's fat, you know, yeah. and that's not me even mocking his, that's what, the, that's what 98.5 publishes it at, it's like Big Boy Tuesday or something in oh. reality. Yeah, and it's it's literally them like it says "Dance for Me, You Fat Clown" is the is basically what they title the Tuesday with Greg Bedard, and so it's like that's what he that's what he has already reduced himself down to. Imagine when his venture has fully failed. Like Imagine, he's just yeah. it's it's pathetic, and it's you know these are the people who are like, oh, the Patriots are now sad. And it's like, no, you know what's sad. <laughs> Being so desperate for either money, attention, or both that you go on to a show that's going to just make you into some sort of court jester, and they're going to talk about your size after you were promoting the Awaken 180 for so long and still call you fat. And you're like, oh, yes, please give me more of that. I, I love being your clown. Like, that's just pathetic. That like That is reducing yourself to a level that no human should have to. And that's, like, when I talk about that, I actually go from anger at Bedard to straight-up pity. Because that yeah. is a sad, sad little man. And it's, you know, I, I guess, you know, if Felger and Maz are right, not so little. Yeah, well, Felger and Maz, the, the, the pitchforks will never come for them, sadly. They'll, they'll be godfathered in, but everyone else around them won't. Be, well, I don't, uh, I don't know if they want to make any more commentary on who steals cars and who doesn't. Maybe the pitchforks will come. I, I know. I, I hope that happens again. I know exactly what you're talking about, but Maz still kept his job. That's what. Yeah, me. I, I, I don't hope that happens again, but I like I hope that when they do inevitably say something that's 
fucking terrible. They got again. close. They got close actually this week uh, or last week. Um, there was this ticket contest that poked fun at Mac Jones and, you know, them calling him dirty, uh, you know, a dirty player. They pulled it off the air. And again, I, 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 I we got to keep applying the pressure. You know, those people who, you know, not the, the, the Cam and Tauntons of the world will always, you know, slice their meat and continue listening. But the rest of us with brain cells have to continue to keep pushing. And I don't think this would have happened if not for, you know, I don't know who who it was about, but I'm sure it was some pot, somebody who noticed how crappy it sounded because, you know, you have small Jim Murray, you know, talking about, oh, I wanted to take it off. Oh, I'm, you know, what did, what did he what did he say? I'm, I'm looking at this. He, he said something oh, he about said like in his, in oh, his youth, he would have like, cared more. Yeah, you know, if I was older, more. if I was younger, I would have cared more. Fuck you, dude. You have everybody and their mother on block on X, so please. Yeah, it, it's such a great town. Hey, remember when Mark Daniels said two weeks ago uh, about Jack Jones? Was it two weeks ago where he says, well, it, it was Jack Jones, right? He said, oh, uh, I'm surprised he, uh, for all those surprised that he's wearing a suit, he did just come out of a courthouse. It was Jack Jones. He said that about right? yeah, yeah, because 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 only because only athletes who wear nice suits when they're coming out of court, mm-hmm. they're they're usually like in bibs with rib uh, juice stains on it, you know. Or they're no, no, no. Uniform. I think I think I think Mark expected him to walk out with with a gold chain and grills in his mouth. That's what that's what I think. Oh, looking like Flavor Flav. That's yeah, exactly. Thinks. That's exactly what he was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, again, they're all just tools for their entertainment. Like, you know, they're not people. They're, they're tools for the entertainment. It's going to be a real I, – I, one second. One more, one more second. Rude awakening. Then, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a real sit-so when Belichick leaves, and, and that, that's all they got is the, the little soft racism they, they peddle. I'm sorry. I, I know there's another segment you guys want to do. That's, yeah. Listen, now, that, that racism is about as soft as a chainsaw. Let's <laughs> there's nothing soft about it. Oh, you're right. I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're about, no, no, yeah. no. You're you're good. You're good because it's you know we try to, we tap dance around these topics and it's it's easy to do, but like, woof. <laughs> they, yeah, everybody says thick, thinly veiled. No, it, I, I, it's I, not I, thinly I, veiled. It says it's as thick as Cam and Taunton's uh, slice of meat that he's cutting in market in, basket. I, Everybody in Boston, such a racist. It was like, yeah, never point your finger at Maz saying those black people look like the black people who stole your car, Felger. It's never them. It's always the random people who live in a neighborhood somewhere or stop at a stop at or at the stop and stop. It's never the people in the media that get the ire. It's just all yeah. these unruly people. Yeah, Shaq, I know you wanted to to pivot to speaking about, you know, talking about these players as the people they are. I know there was somebody you wanted to hit on. Yeah, uh, I think we would be remiss if our last segment was not dedicated to uh, a guy who is retiring, and it came as a, actually a surprise because I didn't I, I didn't think that he was, but Jamie Collins to make it a six point game. Look at Collins leaping over that. Of course, the ball would be in play now under the new rules, but it's out of bounds. Long jump at the combine. Look at this. We first saw this with Cam Chancellor, I believe it was, with Seattle in the playoffs maybe a year ago. 
if he makes contact with any of those offensive linemen, then I think it's a foul. But since he cleared everything, which of course he can do. <laughs> yeah, he's a um one of one of you know again a Belichick draft pick who <laughs> there are a lot of people who were like oh, Belichick sucks at drafting, but uh you know I guess this guy doesn't count. Yeah, I mean Jamie Collins. I, I few people have played this game and made an impact to the extent where rules have been changed. You know, people talk a lot about the Brady rule and it's really the Carson Palmer rule, but let's not get it twisted. But there's few people who have had legitimate rules changed on their behalf. Jamie Collins was too athletic for Nas for the National Football League. Really? Too you feel yeah. He was too athletic. He he legitimately leaped over Players. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And oh, okay. it would block field goals to the point where we saw the penalty today. Just the against fact Adam that Vin one of against Adam Vinatieri, yep, he, he hurdles, did it against hurdles the center. Yep. yep. And now you can't even leverage off of another player, which like they've had to make rules that safeguard around that because Jamie Collins revolutionized how you play that high linebacker position when trying to block a field goal. The like that's the testament. Forget like you know, champion, good human, legitimately you know happy for all the success that he had. The game of football will never be the same because of Jamie Collins, and there are very yep. few people that you can say that about that have mm -hmm. ever played the game. This is not me saying put him in the Hall of Fame. I understand that stats are you know stats and career. Like I understand the logistics of all of that stuff. But they're like he's in a club that I would almost argue is more exclusive than the Hall of Fame. He legitimately changed the way that the NFL is played, and that's <laughs> a incredible testament to him. Yeah, he deserves a. a of, oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say there are a lot of unique things about how his career really played out. But the craziest of all is they only paid six point five million dollars of his fifty four million dollar career earnings. It's about twelve percent. He made over a million dollars per game for the Lions and the Browns, but only about $82,000 a game with the Patriots. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back in November because that's how much, you know, and playing him for pennies on the dollar. Cheap Bill at it again. Cheap Bill, yeah. I love how it was Cheap Bill and it was never like, oh, maybe ownership didn't give him enough money. It's always Bill loved the penny pinch. Yeah. But, I mean, what, like, what more can you say? For somebody who played the game right, was a really good human while in the league, had such positive mm -hmm. energy. You could tell by the way his teammates were talking about him once he announced the retirement, how special he was to them, and then literally changed how you play the game of football. Uh, there, I, I just what what like there's nothing else that I can say that can say more than what he put out on the field like what a tremendous career and congratulations to jamie collins on you know uh, i'm gonna knock on what as i say it, but getting out of the game with his health mm -hmm. being a champion being a game changer and doing what few people ever could i um i, I want to apologize when i said really because I, I misunderstood when you said he was too athletic for the nfl i thought you were saying like he was ahead of his time and the league didn't know what to do with him. And 
then he got drunk. I apologize. I don't mean to sit on Jamie Collins. I liked him. You weren't. No, you you weren't. And I like part of that is he's you know part of it is like he was a prototype for a lot of what you see from really talented linebackers today. And part of that is that's why Belichick knew how to use him and others didn't in his Mm -hmm. career. I think it's more in vogue now and more coaches have an understanding of how to utilize an athletic linebacker like him. But, you know, I like that's part of why he's successful is he was sort of the, the first of his kind. He was a bit of a trailblazer. And that again, speaks to changing the way the game is played. He was super athletic and I'm ashamed to say I didn't uh, know how much he meant to the Patriots because um, in hindsight, I sort of looked at Kyle Van Noy and said, this is exactly what Jamie Collins was doing. And like being this sleek, like very slim, fast, athletic linebacker, uh, because I never really paid attention to those. I always paid attention to like on that 2014 Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower caught my eye, but Jamie Collins being able to cover running backs on wheel routes, being able to also double as a cover uh, in the, the linebacker formation was uh, something that I enjoyed from him. And I know we're stressed for time and I'm really sorry to ask another question that stretches all of our time here. Would you give him a red jacket? Sure, because of what he means to the grand scheme of the Dynasty 2.0, and and also considering that he was the first player drafted in 2013, along with Dante Hightower. And, you know, I would say for most of his time with the Patriots, he was, again, and like Bill said, he changed the rule. So mm-hmm. to me, I think that means a lot. Um, perhaps, maybe maybe he is on the outside looking in, but I don't I don't think that means that he he isn't worthy of something. So he he's certainly I, worthy of consideration. He's certainly worthy yeah, yeah. worthy of consideration put, there. Put him in for a vote. Put him for a vote and let the vans decide. So can I just I, I, can I just yeah can I just lock in? Should go in before Bill Parcells. Uh, yeah, he, he, uh, everybody should lock. go in. Tough add another person. Yep. Add another yet another person to the never ending list of people who should get into the Pat's Hall of Fame ahead of Bill Parcells. It's yeah, the, the janitor should go in before Bill Parcells. Yeah. If you want, if you want a, like a truthful answer for where I think he falls, he's right around Chandler Jones for me, which I have like a little bit ahead of like a Danny Amendola. Ooh. And, you know, like, and a little bit behind, let's say, a little bit behind like a Rob Ninkovich. Ooh. That's generally the range I would put put him in because Nink was like a starter for a number. Of, like, there's when you're talking Red Jacket, it's a whole different conversation. But like, he's in that like Ninkovich range, Chandler Jones. Like, there's there's some players there that it's like they might be on the outside looking in, but like, seem like veteran committee. Over time, they probably do get in, but it's probably a little more of a weight than you'd expect. I I think Chandler Jones might make might make the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame because it seems like he has the stats that he uh, compiled over the, he, you know, the he, years. He, he, yeah, he has a case that's like, it's not dissimilar for Chandler Jones in the Bill Parcells world where it's like Chandler Jones is much more likely to be a pro football Hall of Famer to me than he is a Patriots Hall of Famer. It, it, it might his time be a, was short. Yeah. His time was short yeah. here. He, 
it was four years, I think, which is exactly how long Parcells was here. And, you know, some major contributions. And, you know, sir, so he's ahead of Parcells, but that's generally the range I have, you know, like, but he's definitely, I, I would almost put it like more likely to make pro football Hall of Fame than Pat's Hall of Fame. Yeah. And yeah. deserved. No, he, 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 he became better. Uh, yeah, he was a monster in Arizona. If you watch his film in Arizona, absolute monster. Also, wishing him well. Um, oh, yeah, right now with yeah. the mental with the mental health things that seem to be going on yes, for him. You know, all well regardless of, and you know, not not trying to diagnose anybody on a podcast. Just saying, you know, whatever's going on for him, I hope he is well, and I hope the people around him are mm-hmm. safe and well, and I hope you know, continued wellness for Chandler Jones and those around him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks, Jamie Collins, for all of your efforts as a Patriot. And I think that's a good way to end the show. Um, we'll be back uh, eventually. Um, hopefully we can move <laughs> back next week if, if, if the Patriots win. I guess I'm just kidding. You know, but uh, whoever asked for a podcast, you got it. So uh, Vinny is at Sailboat Studios. Bill is at the Fibble 624. I'm at Atomic Dog 5150 and at Entitled Weekend. You can email us at entitledweekend at gmail.com. And until next time, turn the heck off your radios, slugs. <laughs> <laughs>